0: a mission. The mission to entertain and bring to you the listening public and their moms positive news. One new format, one new series, one new joke. I mean lots of new jokes. Welcome to That's News To Me with your hosts Callum and Buster.
1: Hello and welcome to That's News To Me, your weekly dose of positive news, bizarre anecdotes from history and your two favourite weirdos. My name's Callum and I'm joined by my erudite friend, Buster. How are you doing
0: today? Hello, I'm very well, thank you. How are you?
1: I'm alright. How how did you like my use of erudite?
0: I I thought it was very good. I'm very flattered. Um, I I actually was listening to last week's episode and uh, I used the word meretricious. I was very pleased with that. So I feel like mm. I've earned it this week to be called erudite.
1: Yeah, I don't know what meretricious means. Should we do a something with merit? That mean?
0: You could just say ah. with merit, but you know, if you were, ah. if you'd been called meretricious, you might feel the pressure to use words like that.
1: I oh, see. I know the word like meritocracy. I just couldn't put place meretricious there. Yeah, actually, a fun, being, uh, being a fun
0: in... bit of fair uh, wordy info for you. So, tocracy means rule by. So we have a democracy, rule by the people. You can have. Uh, autocracy that's ruled by an, it's a person who's elected themselves an autocrat. autocrat. Um, but you can also have a kakistocracy, caco- cacus- which is uh, being ruled by incapable people who are shit at their jobs. It's the, kind of the opposite of a meritocracy.
1: So <laughs> Boris Johnson, basically.
0: Precisely. I think that was why that uh, word found its way into my lexicon, because the People were googling what is the opposite of a meritocracy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, so, are you very excited for Christmas and all the things that come with it? Have you watched am... a Christmas Christmas movie yet?
0: Yeah, I mean, Christmas is a big deal here. Um, my girlfriend's household. We, yeah, it, yeah, my in,
1: whereabouts in the, <laughs> in the meter around
0: me. I've Got glitter in all my pockets. Uh, But we've already put our tree up Um, We had our tree up um, on the 29th, I think, of November Um, I have almost finished my Christmas shopping I've wrapped most of the presents We've watched at least 10 Christmas films by this point We've had mulled wine So yeah, we're we're going ham with Christmas
1: Nice Um, I uh, don't do Christmas until the 26th Because my birthday's on the 25th of November So the 26th Mm -hmm. of November all turns over I get a whole month of Christmas it being my birthday. And um, I actually had three people text me saying on the 26th, have you listened to the Michael Bublé CD yet? Uh, because they all knew as soon as the 26th comes, there I am singing along with Michael Bublé in the shower. Um, I love it. I think it's great. I actually did, um, you actually saw one of my stand-ups and it was talking about how much I hate Christmas. And um, after I did the set, I, I walked out And spoke to my mum, and she hit me, and she's like, "You love Christmas." I was like, "I know, (laughs) but it's an act, isn't it?" It's an act. You lie to all those people, (laughs) just like this. You know, I don't actually care about good news. I'm just doing it to make people think I'm a nice person. You know, really, I'm Hitler in waiting. Really, let's be honest. (laughs) Um, if you could please leave a review on our podcast, whether that be on Spotify or Apple, um, because of the algorithms that set things off once you put a review there it will suggest like-minded people like yourselves to also listen to our podcast and we can't grow the podcast without your help so if you could please help us a little bit spread the word leave a review that would really help us out fight the the bloody
0: algorithms
1: bloody algorithms isn't it bloody Mm. algorithms but yeah if you could please help us out leave a review like our facebook page recommend it to your friends send it over do, do all those kind of nice business. Um, that really helps out and help us grow the pod. Thank you very much. Should we get on with some lovely stories? Buster?
0: Yes. So this story I want to talk to you about is something that you may have heard of before and it's something that people talk about in subreddits and on the internet to this day. It happened in 1932-ish and it's the Great Emu War in australia
1: oh yeah the great emu war
0: have you heard anything about this before
1: yeah massive um the emus versus the ostriches and how (laughs) the emus being slightly smaller they were like hang on a minute like they got like small man syndrome basically they're like napoleon and the uprising (laughs) of the emus against the ostriches and they just like pecked their eyes out, but the ostriches ended up winning, and the emus had to go underground to source their own way of living. That, that's that's what happened, wasn't it?
0: That's that's pretty much it, yeah. And the film Independence yeah. Day was then based on that, except they replaced the ostriches <laughs> with humans and the emus with aliens. But uh, <laughs> for those of you listening who maybe don't know as much about the emu wars, Callum does. <laughs> they- it was actually uh, a war, although this does sound on the face of it like pretty ridiculously one-sided, a war between the Australian army and emus. Wow. Yeah.
1: Who we call the Australian army. We They do have the nickname of the ostriches, so I wasn't wrong.
0: Yeah, yeah. Quite, yeah.
1: <laughs> so let's not let's not pretend that i didn't know what happened yeah yet. let's
0: not write into the podcast and complain about that yet. so um the australian army uh, 1932 uh, versus emus i mean on the face of it who do you think won this this war
1: well considering uh, australians in 1932 were very much um still very UK-y, um i i, I would say probably the emus, the emus <laughs> definitely would have won the war against the UK. I'm sorry.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'll I'll, t- I'll talk you through it, but I I think my opinion is that emus won this, but there's quite a few back and forth engagements that they had. So, basically, <laughs> some
1: people think that the Australians won. Some people thought exactly. The it's emus a hotly won.
0: contested topic to this day. The uh, the great Aust- the great Australian emu war um, basically came about because. Australia had all these uh, vets from the First World War. That's um, like veterans, not veterinarians. Uh, They had all these (laughs) veterans from the First World War. That would be a completely different country, vets (laughs) (laughs) from all the injured horses.
1: Yeah, loads of people going out and just like looking after the emus.
0: (laughs) To be fair, vets versus emus does sound like a more (laughs) sensible war rather than the army versus emus. But uh, basically, all these old uh, war vets, they. Were um, given a bit of farmland when they got back from the war. Uh, the farmland was pretty poor quality, but they tried their best to raise um, livestock and grow crops there. But then the Great Depression hit and the price of wheat crashed completely. And these um there was also quite a bad drought. And a combination of this drought and food for the emus where they normally live, causing a massive migration of them, plus the really depressed price of wheat meant that the farmers were like in really, really difficult like dire straits because they had emus running onto the land, eating what little wheat they had, which was not worth much. Um, and so it was it was actually a big problem with these emus, um, which I guess you could say started the war by invading the farmland, although they but, do live in Australia. So as, that's how it started.
1: Say, the emus are the foxes of, of Australia. Even yeah. though they do have foxes themselves, you know. They, they so, are they're, they're the pests.
0: They're that's the a gnats. good analogy because the English solution to that was to put on brightly coloured jackets, um, blow trumpets, and ride around. A nice hat, and a little yeah, nice little hat. In a way that was described famously as the inexplicable in pursuit of the inedible. So they'd have a little run around the countryside, chasing around the foxes. And that was their solution to the fox problem over here. The Australians decided machine guns was the answer. <laughs> so they, so what they decided to do is um, the government was kind of, uh, it's a PR exercise. They wanted to show the whole Australian nation and particularly the farmers that they were on their side and they were like, we've got your back guys, we're sending in the army. So they sent... This guy called Major Meredith—that was his surname, not his first name. Her first name, um, and Major Meredith with a couple of uh, guys with two Lewis machine guns, which was state-of-the-art technology at the time. They could fire like 300 rounds per minute, big machine guns, like uh, like the size of a bazooka, sort of thing, and 10,000 rounds of ammunition. Thinking they'd rock up, they'd see the emus just Like predator minigun in the forest, like <laughs> and just mow down emus, and they'd it's all be back in time for tea in it... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That was the plan. Obviously, the fact that we're talking about it today means that's not how it went down. Like, Some, even something slightly.
1: went wrong in this plan. Yeah. Are you joking? <laughs> but they've this covered is... all
0: the bases, <laughs>
1: <laughs> they've got emus, they've got bullets. I don't yeah. know how this could possibly go wrong
0: <laughs> so. Basically, uh, round one opens like this. The Australian army rocks up. There was a bit of bad weather, but they eventually got out there. They set up their machine guns. They saw some emus some distance away and thought, get some. And just started firing at them. Mm-hmm. The emus immediately scattered. In, like They can run really fast. So they just, boom, they were gone in every direction. I think only a handful. Like The accounts of how many emus it, and through all of this war differ massively. Um, after the close of the war, some people say it was as few as 20 emus were killed in the whole oh, Wow! But, but that's probably <laughs> probably bollocks, that's probably people just um, criticising the government, but it's, it probably was no more than, and max 2,000 in the whole... And how this. many
1: emus are there in collective? Like, is that a really small percentage of emus?
0: Yes, so there was um, probably about 10,000 emus roaming around at this point.
1: Uh, so they got a fifth a fifth is quite a large chunk um, you know yeah if, if, if we killed off you know 10 million people in the uk you'd probably say that was quite a lot of people It <laughs> is.
0: <laughs> especially if we uh, decided to do that by just rocking up with machine guns into places yeah <laughs> so their first attempt didn't go that well um I don't know how you'd call that. So let's say they rocked up, fired, emus scattered, maybe like 10 emus dead out of the 10,000 or so. What would you call that? An emu win? Well, we, we, we've just had confirmation from Producer Corner, which was it's had
1: 986 emus and 20,000. So a 20 so is, even worse. is very different. Yeah, that's, that isn't a great amount. And also, um, he
0: also lets us know that it was 9,860 bullets of the 10,000 they went out there used up. So not wow. very good bullet what, to emu what, ratio. What, so, what, what,
1: what, what did, what, with that last 140, at what point did they think, yeah, <laughs> keep that. <laughs> let's be strategic here, let's not waste all our the bullets. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they were probably damaged when someone was writing emu on all of the bullets. So yeah, round one was the emus took it, I think. So they realized the problem was that they were too far away from these, uh, these emus. So the, the, the major said, he commented that these emus can face machine guns with the invulnerability of tanks. He estimated that, <clears throat> uh, that bullet expenditure because he reckoned it took about 100 bullets per emu to kill them, <laughs> which is insane. <laughs> In fact, he said, one of the soldiers who said afterwards said, there's only one way to kill an emu shoot him through the back of the head when his mouth is closed or through the front of his (laughs) mouth when his mouth is open. That's how hard it is. (laughs) You have to remove the head or destroy the brain, basically.
1: (laughs) It was short of the dead, I (laughs) forget.
0: Yeah, so they've been compared to both tanks and zombies. And they also have the cunning, uh, which is unusual for a bird with a brain the size of a walnut. So round two, they tried sneak attacks. the the Australians. They laid a trap, put some bait down, and tried to lure a group of emus that had some intelligence, like it's a proper war, you know. They had some intelligence, there was some emus locally, so they baited them into a a kill zone with machine guns set up, ready to cut them down. And then after like 12 seconds of firing, both guns jammed up. And that was it. Emus gone. Missed opportunity. (laughs) And then apparently at this point, the emus started to wise up, started to organise. They would travel in packs with a leader emu that would <laughs> stay on lookout watching for the Australian army and if saw so signs of
1: them. you yeah. the emus adapted really quickly <laughs> and we're like, right, these guys are idiots, so just have one person <laughs> look it out and as soon as they start firing, we'll just go over here and we'll be yeah. fine.
0: You can wow. imagine the Australian guys with their machine guns just going, Clever girl. <laughs> <laughs> Jurassic Park notes. So, yeah, round two, they set up a trap. Didn't work out, the guns jammed. So they realise the problem here is that there's twofold. Emus are indestructible geniuses. <laughs> and they run too fast. So, round have they, three... They, have,
1: have they not realised that they're idiots as well? That's another... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a really well, big hindrance to the fact that they can't do it is because they're morons
0: round three was my favorite one because this involved the first uh, casualty of the australian side and before you get upset it's, <laughs> it wasn't a person it was it was collateral damage but it was a good one so the idea was let's get uh, one of these machine guns and put it on the roof of a jeep which sounds a lot of fun and they tried chasing after the emus and just spraying them from the jeep which i'm this sure was probably great. the most fun for any anyone ever had at that time. Uh, I mean definitely. this was 1932.
1: I, no one has ever what? had that much fun. Me and you would not like to kill things with our bare hands or with weaponry. No. But someone gave you a chance to go around about on a jeep with a turret shooting things. I think we'd both say yes.
0: <laughs> it would be it would be ridiculously good fun. Yeah. Yeah. But it didn't work. Unfortunately, um, the, the Jeep was too like bumpy. The roads weren't very flat. These machine guns are pretty heavy. The bullets were flying all over the place. They weren't hitting any EMUs. They weren't that fast either, the Jeeps. The EMUs were still outpacing them. So it didn't really work. But they managed to somehow get uh, crash into an EMU, whether it had been shot and it was on the road and they ran over it or whether it was just falling behind and they hit it with the truck. But it got jammed into the wheels of the truck Knacking one of the wheels and pulling the jeep off the road and smashing it into a a chain link fence, taking the fence out completely. So that's the first blood the emus got. It took a fence down.
1: So so hang on a minute. It basically ran over a disabled emu that was going to die anyway because it was falling back behind the herd. And the disabled emu took out a fucking jeep and a fence.
0: Yeah, like the kamikaze emu.
1: <laughs> so, well, if I'm going to die, take someone with me.
0: It could have been part of the sophisticated guerrilla tactics that the emus had been deploying up until that point. It did eventually um, resolve the emu war. Uh, what do you think was the, the deciding? How do you think they fixed this all in the end? We just stopped being
1: idiots and it was like, Well the emus have won, we'll get our flag out and wave the white flag to the emus trying <laughs> to sit down and go on their knees and just beg at them, be like, emus, please don't please just don't eat more of our wheat. We just can't do anything about this, but please just don't do it. We'll do anything. We'll we'll tell we'll say that you are the superior of the non flightless birds in Australia. Then we'll declare you the best one. Well is that happened
0: honestly mate that's actually pretty close to what happened because <laughs> the emus are on the like uh, the coat of arms of Australia now so yeah they've basically been promoted yeah. up to kangaroo status which is you know pretty key um but there was a little bit more tension before it all sorted out so they sent in the army a couple of times after that but with the same crappy results like yeah thousands of bullets a few emu killed and and the international community thought it was hilarious because it does sound like the most like australian thing ever other than perhaps like a a dingo with a baby in its mouth being eaten by a crocodile that's also been eaten by a shark that's been stung by something but uh Everyone thought it was so funny and Australia was getting kind of embarrassed by this. So eventually they just set up like a bounty system that if you gave a poster to an emu's beak to the government, they would send you some money. So the farmers were basically just killing the emus themselves, which was way more effective. And then eventually after that, because people were still concerned about how cruel this was, the proper ending to it was they just built proper fences around the farms that stopped the emus getting in. So when you said they just stopped being less stupid, that's pretty much what they did. (laughs) So the final bullet that was fired in the emu war was someone just knocking a fence post in and go that'll do it. I'll keep them out. Sort that out.
1: That would be a good idea. We know they can't fly really high so just put up bigger fences.
0: (laughs) I mean, if you're being attacked by flightless birds a fence will do it.
1: Well, that's why they wanted to build a bigger fence, because the Mexicans could only
0: fly to a certain height. That's true. Mexicans can't fly.
1: Mexicans can't fly that high.
0: Like, not, like with their own arms. I don't want to say like Mexicans can't be pilots. That's obviously ridiculous. Mexicans clearly are pilots. But they can't just fly under their own steam. Self-propelled flight. They can, however, use ladders, and they've done that over the wall, though. So.
1: Yeah. That's mental. So, mm-hmm. in 1932, you're looking at like you know Hitler's trying to rise to power. He's mm-hmm. he's he's trying to get in. We've still got to some extent kind of the Western wars over in America. They've just depleted out. Um, you've got probably the rise of the the Bolsheviks um, already happened about you know ten or so years ago, and the the the
0: the, the killing of the Tsars. Yeah, you got Franco and Spain and, yeah, fascism in Italy. Yeah, the world is... And Australia trying thing. to kill emus. Yeah. <laughs> they've got their own problems, man. They're too busy <laughs> to join in the sequel of, you know, they did World War One. they were at Gallipoli, they've done their bit. Now they've got their own shit to deal with at home.
1: I actually just tried to, I, I, I used a little bit of my own knowledge there, but I tried to just Google some other shit that was going on in 1932, and I couldn't find it. But genuinely, if you type in 1932, the first thing that actually comes up is Australians versus the <laughs> <laughs> That was the biggest thing that happened that year. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah it's, I don't know why, but it, it came into my radar recently. A friend of mine was talking about, uh, there's quite a popular subreddit about it, and it's just captured people's imagination, and people still talk about this quite a lot now. And there's some kind of academic and interesting stuff about it, but there's loads more. Just what that put up fences will stop
1: emus so. from going yeah, around. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> We've really learnt a lot. What emus can't fly? What?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow.
1: Well, let's just say that's news to me.
0: <laughs>
1: That's news to me. Um, right, well, let's get on with some recent good news. Open your mouth. It's time for the news. <laughs> cool. Well, first thing is it's the European Parliament, bloody EU. Bloody <laughs> EU. Don't we hate the EU in this podcast? they're bananas. Bloody hell. But the EU have voted to take another big step towards a right to repair rules. So, as we know, a lot of electrical goods are built with obsolescence within them. And because of the environmental impact of constantly having to build new things, and the fact that companies are basically monopolising once you bought goods, and you have to buy new goods... Um, they have been able to push for a vote of a right to repair. So, a lot of the electrical goods bought in the EU, which actually won't serve us any purpose anymore because we're not part of the EU, Um, it would be much more for those kind of lesser countries like France and Germany to deal with. Who? Uh, (laughs) That they are able to um, have a right to repair so any laptops or stuff like Mm. that that are broken and actually the, the company that sold them have to fix them.
0: That's good. So, yeah. it's yeah, far too many yeah. uh, products that are that are really shouldn't be single use like a laptop or a phone that are quite often written off by something as small as a, a dent in the casing or battery running flat or the screen cracking so that is really good.
1: Yeah. And it's also good for people you know for, for, it's good for the environment don't have to keep rep- making different things. God. Um,
0: how many cables do you have in that drawer slash box in your house for every device what? you've ever owned?
1: Buster, mate, I either have zero or I have 19. There's no in between. Yeah, yeah, I either have none, and I can't find any for ages, and then once I find one, I'm like, oh, here they all are. It's normally because the girlfriends all put them into one drawer, to be fair, but then changes the drawer every
0: single week. Well, yeah. it's because it's, it's a junk drawer. It's basically things you're never going to use again, but every once in a while, every year or two, there's that yeah. cable that you need, and of course, that's the one you can't find. Yeah. yeah.
1: I, I love playing Snake randomly, so need to crack that Nokia 3210 out. Yeah. Have a little play around.
0: So, so I have some very, very exciting uh, biology news. So there's an AI company called DeepMind, which have used AI to solve something called the protein folding problem. So... Basically how this works is that all proteins in our body um, that are used for Catalysts for reactions in our bloodstream and our lungs and everywhere and also in a lot of industrial processes as well Proteins are all made up of a string of amino acids Which is a, a sequence of these little amino acids that's controlled by your DNA The problem is the sequence of it is one thing we've known about DNA in the genome for quite a long time What we haven't been able to do with that information is predict how those long chains fold up. So they fold up in very unique ways depending on the sequence. And it's extremely difficult to look at, well, it actually has been impossible up until now to look at the chain and predict how it will fold and thus how it will work in the real world. And this company DeepMind have used their AI to basically crack that. So they can now take a sequence of these amino acids run it through DeepMind and come out with the shape that this protein will fold into. Previously, it would take years of really expensive research and analysis per protein. Now, what we might be able to do, this is why this is so significant, is we could imagine a shape of a protein in our mind that we think this is gonna be really useful, reverse engineer it to amino acid chain, use our existing CRISPR technology, which can be used to build chains of amino acids using gene splicing. And we could perhaps make custom protein catalysts for things like eating oil, crude oil waste, or curing um, blood diseases, or accelerating recovery for patients. Uh, it almost, It's almost one of those you name it potential fix. Um, we have to be sort of you know careful about being too optimistic because they said this about gene therapy a long time ago, and, and that never really lived up to the promise. But The early feeling is that this could be one of the most significant breakthroughs in this field of science in our lifetimes. So this is really, really big news. Some people equate this to having the internet turned on for the first time. It's that significant. But, I mean, I do love a good scientific hyperbole.
1: I feel like we're a couple of generations away from, like, when we're about, like, 70 or 80 something's going to be like you can live forever or you can we can reverse engineer and you can actually live for 200 300 years or so, I feel like something's going to happen when we're 80 someone has come up with a really inventive way, uh, utilising again AI to be able to see early signs for breast cancer so you can have a little, this thing called the blue box and it can be a home test sample kit and it can detect really really early signs for breast cancer so people can get treated much much earlier Really, really cool um, and I think it's in, in line to win loads of awards as well so yeah it's
0: pretty cool sounds like it deserves it if that if that works it sounds brilliant
1: yeah it's crazy 40% of women skip their screening um, and I don't want to ever be in the position where I'm mansplaining anything so I just want to caveat that but please go get yourself screens, um, make sure you go get yourself a smear test, and for boys as well, go get that finger up the bumhole yeah. uh, to make sure you don't have pancreatic cancer. and um, Prostate. For, for...
0: If they're putting their finger up to test your pancreas, <laughs> they've got a long finger and you've got an incredible tolerance for pain.
1: <laughs> I love getting my pancreas tested. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: that might be some really cool new slang for anal, like, yeah, do you want me to test your pancreas? Yeah. <laughs>
1: But yeah i think it's ridiculous though that we can't i think the amount of young men uh, between the age of 30 and 40 that are dying from prostate cancer it is increasing and we should have the same scope for screenings just like um breast cancer and smear test that we do for prostate In my personal opinion i, I have a, a an idea
0: because i agree with you on that column i think we should write a manifesto for the podcast and one of the first things we should put on there is mandatory fingers in the bum. Fingers <laughs> in the bum for everybody. And, you know, leave it to people to decide what we mean about by that, really. Yeah. <laughs> More con- out, totally context-free. Fingers up the bum for everybody.
1: Fingers up the bum for everybody. Makes the world a better place. <laughs> or shittier in, in some... Yeah. yeah. For <laughs> some <laughs> people. A better and a shittier place. Yeah. <laughs> definitely shittier for the people that are doing the testing
0: yeah (laughs) Uh, in other good news um hundreds of homes in scotland are going to be the first in the world to use green hydrogen to heat their homes that's awesome yeah
1: more environmental news india actually on course to exceed the paris agreement targets um, well so by, by doing that, they so said between 2015 and 2030, India could drive $401 billion in CAPEX. I'm um, not sure what CAPEX is, but we'll say it. <laughs> yeah, good, I was going to yeah. ask that. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, $401 billion, that's a lot of money um, towards a green future. Um, so it, it, incredible work by the Indians there.
0: I've just uh, Googled that and that's almost 600,000 REPLs. <laughs> RuPaul's no RuPaul's it's a made up currency I was just trying to add <laughs> confusion to the fire
1: <laughs> or, or 6,000 ruples, the transgender <laughs> yeah. model oh yeah <laughs> Sudan says it will stamp out child marriage and enforce ban on FGM a lot of people could look at this piece of news and sit there and say why is it taking so long but some societies move quicker than others and the fact that someone's actually doing something in sudan to get rid of female genital mutilation which we have talked about twice uh, previously and on this podcast and also get more rights for women in a place where women's rights are so far behind the the western world is an amazing amazing thing um you know this is a predominantly muslim country and making more laws for women so they can't you know, go through these horrible conditions is an amazing, amazing mm. thing.
0: Progress is progress. Yeah. And it should be. Exactly. Uh, it should be. And it should
1: be re- re- rewarded. And you know what? If you reward these countries with saying that, thank you very much. Well done. You're making these progresses. You know, and we're not letting the perfect get in the way of the good then maybe in the future they'll make even more progress quicker because they've realised that that's actually the best Mm -hmm. way to go. Um, And just like with any of these countries, tourism is is, is probably a big amount of income for them. So, you know, people like us, if we feel more comfortable in these countries, we would go. Um, So, yeah. Awesome. The next bit of good news is the US Department of Defence have actually funded new Lyme disease vaccine development. Um, It is... quite a small grant compared to a lot of other diseases out there but Lyme disease is generally not recognized as a disease at all. Um, I have a friend, mum who actually does have Lyme disease and it's a very debilitating uh, disease. You basically get Lyme disease from a tick bite and um, a lot of people believe that actually the The stuff you get from Lyme disease and how much it debilitates you in terms of kind of lack of energy and feeling tired and lethargic all the time, it isn't actually real. So the fact that a US department have actually funded research into trying to find a vaccine for people with this disease is an amazing thing. And it's obviously quite close to me because I I, I know this person very, very well. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm very glad that someone and a country like the U.S. is actually taking this seriously uh, for once. And hopefully we can find a cure very, very soon.
0: Hmm. It's notoriously difficult to diagnose uh, Lyme disease. So it's a it's a really good step forward because uh, some of the some of the most insidious diseases are the ones that uh, people can pick up without almost even realizing. Because, I mean, I've uh, I've had a tick uh, biters uh, before and luckily it was absolutely fine, but. Um, but it's it's not something you particularly notice even. You actually tend to notice when you're like, if you're scratching your leg and you felt a bump there, you're like, oh, is that a weird like, you know, mm. something stuck to my leg? And it's just actually a horrible monster sucking your blood.
1: And, and Lyme disease can um, infect loads of different parts of your body because it can mm. spread through the bloodstream yeah. into your heart, your joints, brain. Resulting in arthritis, neurological abnormalities, and then carditis, which is it, it, very, very serious. Mm. Um, but for some reason, not recognized as a proper disease. And also, on top of that, um, depending on where you are in the world, ticks will give you different types of Lyme disease. And then also, chronic Lyme disease, like long term impact of Lyme, is what we could call a bitch uh, the initial bite and getting on course of antibiotics short-term blinds is the only thing that really has been acknowledged in the past so this vaccine uh, can pave the way for uh, more recognition and um yeah better treatment in the future
0: <laughs>
1: Last bit of great news. Uh, less good news just more interesting um A little Austrian town is changing its name to Fugging, F-U-G-G-I-N-G, from their previous name, which was Fucking. (laughs) Now... I love this so much. Why is it called Fucking? The locals were called Fuckingers. (laughs) I'm not... Why not, they, why not fuck us? I mean, <laughs> and they decided that because of the tourists coming over and the amount of abuse they were getting, and that basically it was it was a, not abuse but mocking of their name, they decided to change their name to fucking as of the 1st of January 2021, which I, I think is actually going to reduce their tourism.
0: If loads yeah. of people
1: are coming and stopping off and fucking... To, not to fuck. Well, maybe they did. It would be great though. Maybe we should. Not us, Buster. But maybe we should quickly group trip in the next few weeks. Get over to Austria and fucking fucking. That that that's a story to tell. Um, yeah. But yeah, they they, they are <laughs> they are renaming the whole. To fugging, uh, they were just really, really upset about oh. people taking the piss out of them. Basically, what a bunch um, of
0: fucking killjoys, eh? I have a new manifesto pledge. I uh, motion that we try and reclaim the word fugging to mean something even more obscene than fucking. Really, just k- keep, just chase them around, making them change their name constantly.
1: Yeah. Really, really fuck them over. We can have a think about this for
0: next week. Think of a really horrible urban dictionary definition for thugging. Um Really fuck them over, Odin writes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's just... Oh, and actually, maybe you could send some stuff in. If you uh, will put a post up about this and if you can think of some good suggestions of what fugging might mean.
1: Yeah. Oh, don't, don't.
0: Shit answers only, please. <laughs>
1: um, well, yeah. Well, that's it then. Close your mouth, you fool from the news. Doo doo do, doo do, doo do, doo yeah. yeah
0: this is a story about the wild west
1: ooh the wild west went on until like the 1920s and i just think it's amazing that whilst we were be- <laughs> we were having the first world war with like tanks and shit and they were still going horseback <laughs> Like we have these big men with like machine guns and all these kind of like amazing bits of technology, and they go around on horseback with bow and arrows. I just think it's fucking mental.
0: Uh, yeah, the Wild West is is fucking mental. So this story actually is kind of a, about how mental it was. So it's about a real life Westworld in the Wild West.
1: But what? Isn't Westworld like full of like robots and shit?
0: Yes, without the robots.
1: Without That's, the rope. So not yeah. a real Westworld then. Come on.
0: Real Westworld. Westworld with real people instead of robots. That maybe is the better way of describing it. Well then it's not Westworld, is it? Come on, Buster. <laughs> and this is where I go, it wasn't even in the West, it was in the East. It was in <laughs> yeah. it was in knowledge. <laughs> Christopher Columbus was
1: finally right, it was in India. Yeah. Um
0: <laughs> This is about a town that uh, got a, a reputation. Um, so the the Wild West it, it, like, as you say, it went on the late part of the 19th century, the early part of the 20th century, and it was you know, characterized by lawlessness, cowboys, you know, people riding horses around, firing guns in the air, battles between the Native Americans and the cavalry, and all that stuff. All the things we've seen in, you know, Wild West movies and stuff. Actually, do you oh, have any just... favorite West? Do you like Western movies? Have you seen any of the old spaghetti Western things?
1: Uh, yeah, Back to the Future 3.
0: Correct answer. That's great. Hands down <laughs> the best western movie. <laughs> yeah, Not to be yeah, confused yeah, with they're the they're best they're western they're the hotel they're chain. They're <laughs>
1: um, do you know do you know what it means to be an outlaw? Do you actually know me. what it means? So an outlaw is someone that has been declared by the state that laws no longer abide to them. So therefore, like basically your basic human rights have been taken away. Because you are that dangerous. Oh shit. And that's what it means. You're an outlaw. So you're outside of the law. So therefore, if you're seen, you can be shot or killed. That's why you had like the rewards and stuff that were mm. posted up to try and get people to capture them.
0: You don't have a basically, right to a trial or it. anything.
1: Exactly. You basically no. have been you 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 all your all your rights have been taken away from you and you're now outside the law. So therefore if someone kills you um, they can claim either money or not be sentenced themselves to, to, to prison because you are no longer thought of as an actual human being with human rights. That's basically what the outlaw. Means. Jesus.
0: Well, it's shit like that that gives the Wild West its its name because yeah, that is pretty mental. So, mm. this um this story is about a town in um in Nevada. It's called Palisade, Nevada, and it was in 1870. 1870- prime wild west era uh, and a lot of people in the cities on the east coast had heard all these stories about the you know the gold rush and you know cowboys and indians and all this mad stuff going on in the wild west so people used to go like as tourists to see the wild west uh on the pacific railroad going across the country across the pacific railroad yeah which specific railroad was it <laughs> <laughs> and in 1870 in Palisade, a train um, pulled in, and it has like a five-minute stop to put water into the trains, of steam engine, and you know, so to put water in, and people get a chance to stretch their legs and go on the platform. And while people were um, sort of standing around the platform, a guy walks up a local from Palisade, says to another guy on the platform, like, yeah, I'm never going to forgive you for what you've gone and done to that poor little girl. I'm doing the American accent to make it sound more like legit, like a Western.
1: It, it, it does sound legit, yeah. I was, I was fully entranced, Just mate. in case I anyone felt, thought felt... we had
0: a third person here who was like an actor. No, that was all just no. me doing that.
1: I definitely felt I was in a Clint Eastwood movie just then. It was amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah. you lowdown low down, son and son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, I, I'm never going to forgive you for you, you, you don't you do don't that. dead that poor, poor girl there. He's got a stud. I'm just giving him like a character, <laughs> character. And he shoots the guy, bang, dead on the platform bunch of people pile on yeah. to arrest the guy who's just shot the gun the dead body has been carried away people who are on the train are like running around losing their minds pile on the train the driver has to wait the full five minutes for the rest stop because like the train it's like on time and he doesn't know what to do so everyone's on the train like shitting themselves has been like a, a deadly duel on the uh, platform uh, yeah. eventually the train does go and everyone makes it to the next town where they like breathlessly report this story, it makes you know great stories when people get back to New York and whatnot. Go on to Twitter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Everywhere.
0: Viral. I think the, the equivalent of Twitter then would have been a telegram. Yeah. So like, yeah, that dude got shot on the platform. Stop. It was like, <laughs> mega lols. Stop. <laughs> 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 he really fugged him over. <laughs> Stop. Stop. <laughs> And so this, uh, this wasn't an isolated incident. This train station, over the next, like, three years, people started hearing about it all across the country as the most violent place west of Chicago. It was, it was madness. There was um, bank robberies. People would see this from the train. So people would pull into the train station, and it became a really popular tourist destination. This is why it's like real-life Westworld. Tourists would come to Palisade, sit on the train, and... Um, watch Bangalore. Just robberies. to watch the anarchy. Yeah.
1: Just to watch the anarchy. And see it
0: all happen outside the train window. There was even, on uh, one occasion, uh, Native Americans scalping townspeople in the street when the train was going through.
1: This is, this is kind of like the now equivalent to like horror porn or gore porn, you know, <laughs> when people just love watching kind of like gory shit, or, you know, series after series after series. Mm. But this is real life. We're not watching Saw 1, 2, 3, 4, whatever, you know, to 19 yeah. or however they've made. They're really going and watching these atrocities being made. This, this reminds me of a, the Rick and Morty episode where he's like, should we watch the Purge happen? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> end up getting involved in the Purge. But um, this is that. that's like, they were making a joke of that. That was a joke. That was something that, that shouldn't happen. And this is actually happening.
0: What well, happened? There is a little bit more to the story.
1: Oh, go on! You're leading me down a lead me down a garden path here. You, you're still <laughs> yeah. in the right red herring. There's this a... is actually—are you just explaining Westworld? This is actually yeah. happening.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's almost as bad as that. This was a joke. This whole thing, this town, the scalpings, the rolling battles in the street, the banditry, the the original duel that happened on the platform that day in 1870. It's all wow. completely faked to By the amusement the of the locals yeah <laughs> the so all these city people coming is... through they're like yeah it would be kind of funny if we put blanks in these guns and just went for it
1: that's awesome that's like that's like a cooler version of reenactments you yeah. know, you see and hear about them but this <laughs> is really really cool this is like i went to go see um uh, the Stranger Things live theater thing, and you're you're basically Im- immersed in the actual oh, yeah. show, and people actors walk around, and they're acting. That's amazing. But we obviously knew that they were acting yeah. and stuff like that. But this is a this is really cool that they just were like, "This is a boring town. Shall we all just start killing each other and get some more tourists here? Maybe they can buy a keychain, yeah. bloody keychain,
0: <laughs> keychain with a human scalp on it.
1: <laughs> That's Sticky. really cool." So. So the first guy, obviously he was on the train knowing that he was going to get...
0: The train company employees, everybody except the train passengers was in on it. So the people in the train company, which is why the train driver finished waiting the five minutes because he knew (laughs) this was just a joke and didn't want to make the train early. So yeah, he waited, filled up the train and it it, it kept upping the ante. It did get ridiculous to the point that um, there was like people on the train were in such like state of terror that they were all told to get guns out and for one of the journeys were just sitting all of the passengers with guns on their laps shaking and cleaning and checking weapons because they were told that there was a, a group of Native Americans up the track that were stopping every train and scalping everyone aboard so which was again just a prank nothing of the sort happening that's awesome so so where did this all come from do you know
1: like and how they... You know, obviously the guy that got shot must have like blood and stuff coming out to make it real. Like h- how did these things work, do you know?
0: Um, it wasn't as sophisticated as in Westworld. Um where do you
1: come go out to Westworld? Let's stop talking about that. It's robots. Let's stop talking about it. <laughs> <We don't>... <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm just yeah, it wasn't robots, but I, I don't know. I really I never saw <laughs> series two, so no spoilers there, but I, I did really, really like um Westworld, so sorry I keep mentioning it. But they yeah, they basically talked the local Native American tribe into, into joining them with this. So the, they were on pretty peaceful terms. The town was actually super, like, non-violent. It was really local. Crime was almost non-existent. It was a quiet mining town. Um, so they just did this for fun. They were using fake blood, so like animal blood, and they, the blanks and the guns. And, yeah, it, it, it was just a... In a theatrical set, basically, of the whole town. Yeah,
1: this is amazing. That is incredible that everyone got in behind it, yeah. and even like the local train drivers going from town to town got, in, got involved. It's like the as Truman well.
0: Show for everyone on the train.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it is. That was really, really cool. Well, that's all we have time for this week on That's News to Me. I've learned plenty. Uh, Buster, do you want to give us a little recap on what we've learned this week?
0: So this week we've learned that emus have the strength and tenacity of a tank crossed with a zombie and that they can outsmart the Australian military.
1: Not not, not, not hard though, it? Turns
0: out it wasn't <laughs> too difficult, yeah, but they can't outsmart a fence, uh, predictably. Yeah. We also learned about some. We've also learned some great good news from uh, from medical science, and uh, and politics and sociology. And it's it's been a busy week for good news. Uh, we also learned that I won't mention it, Westworld, but <laughs>
1: you did though. I by did. Mentioning it. We've
0: also learned that the Wild West wasn't as wild as it seemed. Uh, some of it was just all uh, grease paint and theatrical stage blood
1: if you could please review us on wherever you find your podcast whether that be spotify apple or any other destination that would be great really help us promote the pod and so for this week it is goodbye from me
0: and thank you for listening